Well, hello, good people of the internet. It is I, Tommy Kelly, and this is Adventures in Woo Woo. So welcome to another episode of Adventures in Wuwa and in this episode we have two main sections I suppose. The first section is I go out to a local church, an abandoned church out in Richardstown which is down the road from me and it has a graveyard and all these cool things. I've been there before on YouTube and in the, the podcast but um, it's the first time on Adventures in Wuwa I've been there. And why was I there? Well I was there to do some spirit bothering. I used the same app as I did last time to try and get into communication with any spirits that were around the place and they seemed to talk to me but I have my own thoughts on that too which you will find out at the end of that session. After that we have the monthly question and answer session where I ask people on the internet like yourself to ask me questions or give me suggestions of things to talk about. So some good ones in that this month and uh, hopefully my rambly answers will satisfy the curiosity of uh, those who asked. So let's get straight into this. Welcome again to Richardstown Church. If you've been watching this YouTube channel for a while or even been listening to the podcast, you'll know that I come out here quite often. It's kind of one of my favourite places in the world because it's so serene and quiet and you can be on your own. And uh, it's well kept for, you know, like an abandoned place. I suppose it's not really abandoned, it's just unused. Um, the church is in a great state of repair other than it has no roof and it's obviously not used anymore at all. But uh, some of the graves here are recent enough so it's not um, totally out of use I suppose. There's uh, certainly uh, graves on that side that are uh, you know, in, in the past number of years and I kind of try to stay away from that because it seems a bit disrespectful because it's so new. Whereas these old ones, <laughs> it seems like I can do whatever I want with them. But in reason, not illegal, obviously. Um, so why am I here? Well today I'm going to do some more uh, spirit bothering or try to use that app that I used last time to try and talk to some spirits. Now, I'm not a fucking lunatic, so I didn't come out here at night. <laughs> I came out during the day, it's early morning on a Monday. The crows are going insane, which is very ominous and uh, suiting to uh, our needs here on Adventures Movie, particularly when you're in a graveyard trying to contact spirits or the dead or whatever. I'm kind of going to put aside the whole thing of trying to contact my spirit guardian for the minute and just go with general contact, because I think it could be limiting the whole thing. And also tr to try to appeal to a kind of a wider audience. like. As much as it may be interesting for you to see my journey of finding my um, guardian spirit, it'll be probably a bit more interesting if I open it a bit more to gen generalities of just spirit contact or whatever. Now, if you're new, know that um, all of this is done from a sceptical point of view, but wanting to believe and be very open to all of these ideas. But uh, it's adventures in woo-woo. It's not totally believing without a shadow of doubt that all woo-woo exists. So we're here investigating and trying out these things. It's kind of... The whole point of this, originally the blog and in the videos and stuff, was to look at all of these ideas that we have in the occult. And while they may be fascinating and exciting and um, you know, attractive, very much an attraction to them to be real, it doesn't necessarily mean they are real. So I always kind of want to look at these things somewhat objectively. It's very hard to be objective about stuff that you're into or that you want to be true in a sense in many ways. So it is a subjective uh, experience and it's mine and other opinions are always available. So don't just uh, think that I am the final word and I certainly don't want to uh, um, 
come across if that's what I'm saying. Just just an adventure in Wuvu. So with that preamble, we will get into it uh, straight away kind of way because it's getting a bit cold here. Um, and I'm going to try to use two apps. One the app that I used the last time and then another kind of ghost spirit box type thing. I haven't even opened it so I'm not even sure uh, how good or bad it might be a complete disaster. Um, I think it uses kind of radio waves you know quickly goes through the different channels to try and pick up stuff so I don't know we'll see. So uh, let's cut to that. So before we get into it there's a bit of an issue um, when I was recording this I had two angles one on my phone which was running the app and one on me and I was using a new process where I could remote trigger the focus of the camera and as far as I was concerned it was in focus and I did check, I did a test kind of shot or a test kind of video to make sure it was in focus and it was and then when I was looking at the screen not my new screen mind you, the old screen, the flippy screen so it was a good bit away from me it looked perfectly in focus but as you can see it's not in focus I mean it's terribly badly out of focus so what I thought I'd do is rather than just scrapping the whole idea which was my initial reaction my, my initial gut anger reaction um, I'm going to do it as a small picture-in-picture, picture. so it is totally out of focus, but it doesn't look so bad when it's that small. Um, so we're going to put this down to technical difficulties, but also we may go with the angle of the woo and say that maybe the spirits didn't want you to watch this. So I'm going to get straight into this and uh, just go with it because it's getting a bit cold and it could rain, it is Ireland, so it could rain at any point in time here and that would be the end of it. Um, the crows are pretty intense and pretty noisy, but hopefully that won't interrupt us too much. Um, if not, nothing else gives us a nice ambience to walk towards. So uh, we put this on. I'm not going to use the echo because I don't like it. And I'm not going to use the white noise. So, um, of course, the thing that we learned from the last time is that an awful lot of the stuff that you can hear won't be... Um, you won't be able to make it out until we go back and look at the video. Now, of course, that leads us open to interpretation and hearing stuff that we... That isn't there. <laughs> Stop interrupting me. I'll turn it off. And so it does leave you open to, you know, hearing stuff that's not there. But again, this is just... It's a bit of fun. You know, it's a bit of things. See what happens. What more do you want? You're out in the graveyard. <laughs> Trying to speak to the dead. So, I mean, it's as uh, serious as we can get here. So... That's that. Um, my name is Tommy Kelly and I have been out here a number of times before and I've tried to contact different people here at, at different times. And I'm interested I'm interested to know if anyone would like to talk to me. Sounded like hello Tommy, so I'm gonna take that as there is someone here. Um seem to be very active today. Is there many people around? Is there many of you here? Is there many spirits here? Plenty. Plenty. Um, I, of course, would only like to speak to the friendliest of spirits because uh, yeah, I don't really want anything coming home with me. So, um, could uh, all the bad spirits please go to the back of the room, please? Um, has anyone here has anyone here got um, a message or something they would like to tell me?
Can any of you say my name? Can you say my full name? Can you say Tommy Kelly? Can you tell me what your name is? What is your name? Is this a safe thing to be doing to try and communicate with you in a graveyard? Is there some form of, is there some form of protection I should be doing? Do you choose to live here? Or are you trapped here? Is there a message any of you have for any of my viewers or listeners? I heard need help there, so um, how can we help you? I'll just stop you for a second. Okay. So a number of things happened there. One thing is that I'm recognizing kind of um, audio files or audio loops that I've heard the last time I used this. So I'd say that's just the nature of using, you know, sound banks and you're going to hear the thing. There's definitely one there where it sounded like Burt that I go, oh, that's kind of something I've heard before, but maybe not when I go back and listen to it. There's no kind of feeling around me at all that there isn't, that there was the last time when I was doing this in my office where it kind of felt a bit... Um, creepy or there was a sensation of someone standing looking at me behind me or something like that. I don't have that here, which I did get the last time I was here though. Um, so it's, the hard thing I find about this is because you're really only hearing the stuff what people are, what the spirits are saying um, after you look through the video, it's hard to get a conversation going in a sense because you're, you know, you're saying stuff, they may be answering you and you're not understanding it or making it out properly. And, uh, you know, you can't really continue on the conversation. So we'll try it for another while and then we change the app and we'll try a different app. <clears throat> do you understand what I'm trying to do here? Okay. Um, for those who don't, it's a, basically it's, it's recordings of, uh, of sounds that you can use to help communicate with me. Does that make sense? Can you tell me a little bit about who you are? What was your job when you were alive? What year were you alive? Is, is there something you can do to let me know you're here other than talk through this box, through this audio thing? Is there something you could move or something that I could sense? 
white feather just flew down there. Is there anything else? Was that you? Is there anything you could tell me that would give me some sort of proof that I am talking to a spirit? Is there a secret you can tell me? Do you do I have a guardian spirit? Silence. Do I have spirits around me? What is the name of the spirits around me? Okay. Um, I'm going to finish there and thank you for talking. I'm going to change to a different app and maybe you might find that more helpful. Um, but thank you for talking to me so far. Um, I really appreciate it. So, just going to change the app. This one's obviously a lot noisier and uh, works on the principle of going through quickly through radio stations, I think, or AM signals or FM signals. So we'll give it a go. It might be too annoying. No. Is there someone here who would like to talk to me using this app? I find that really annoying and I don't think it's going to be something that I would use. I prefer the other app. Um but uh that's probably enough. We're done we're doing about ten minutes here, so that's probably enough. Um I'll go back over, I'll look at it, um I'll go through the different uh different voices, different things we heard there, and if there's anything that came up that I think um sounds like something I'll subtitle it. Which of course doesn't work so well for people on the podcast, but um it's probably in one sense good for people on the podcast because they're not getting led by what I think it means. So it, maybe even it could be worthwhile listening to this on the podcast first without the, the visual clues or cues and then going back and watching it and see what I come up with. It. But it's up to you. Who Maybe you don't have that much time to uh, be uh, watching and listening to Tommy in a graveyard. Anyway, yeah. So it's next day and I'm just completely finished editing that whole section of the show and uh, I've gone through the whole thing, listened to it with headphones and tried to work out what people were saying or what the spirits were saying and all that. And just a few notes on that. Um, when I'm looking at other YouTube channels or TV shows that do that, I'm very aware of how much I'm being led by what uh, they're putting on the screen, you know, particularly with EVPs. 
And I know some shows try not to lead and, you know, to, to play it first and see, you know, what do you hear and then to tell you what, you know, you're meant to hear. Um, and I don't really want to do that. And I didn't do it this time and I didn't do it uh, last time. But what I tried to do uh, differently this time was that um, unless it really sounded like it to me, um, it, the whole word that I didn't put a subtitle in, like you could kind of make it those bits and pieces where I definitely could have forced or cued you into believing that the spirits or the audio had said something that um, it only vaguely had said, say, or sounded like it said. So anything that's subtitled there, I honestly think that's what it sounds like and um, I'm not trying to lead you or that kind of thing. So there is a part of me that's still very aware of the whole queuing and leading thing, particularly when you have, uh, when you've been hanging around, as I have, with uh, my son, my baby son, he's very small, he's about eight months and he's babbling and that kind of things. And you can definitely hear words and phrases and things in what he's saying. And of course he's not saying that. And so it's interesting kind of correlation between the two things where I'm seeing, you know, trying to do this spirit box stuff and then having like a, a babbling kind of baby who that you can both kind of get that pareidolia thing where you're looking for things in it and patterns and stuff and you can hear it. And certainly at times it appears that my son is talking to me and all of those things and anyone who is a parent will know what I'm on about. But it's not, it's just, you know, you're, you're hearing patterns and things. So I'm very aware of all these things. So while I'm doing it and enjoying it and I think it's good, it's good investigation, it's good adventure and woo-woo, it's a good thing to do for the channel and to, you know, to see if there anything comes out of it. And I do think some kind of stuff has come out of it, whether that's me engaging with my subconscious or some part of me hearing, you know, echoing back thoughts from myself that I hear in the audio, whether it's actual spirit communication, who knows. Just I would advise you not to take it too seriously or not to feel that I'm presenting it as, you know, spirit contact or anything like that. It's just an adventure and move, an investigation into these things and see what happens. And I will do more of them. I'm getting a new app because that second app was terrible. It's Spiritus is one of the apps I'm looking at um, and has some sort of visual thing going on with it as well. But there's another one, Echovox or Spiritvox, I think. So a couple of different ones that uh, seem to be highly recommended. So we might just go with a new app for the next time. So anyway, there are the kind of notes. Um, tried my best not to cue you tried not, my best not to fool you into thinking I was saying something and if there is a subtitle it means I genuinely feel that's what it kind of sounds like to me with the caveat that we're seeing patterns and hearing patterns and stuff that possibly and more than likely aren't actually there so uh yeah sorry for the constant interruptions in this segment but uh I just another thing I wanted to just say that I forgot to say in the wrap-up and that is that when I was going through the different voices and the different um, noises and stuff like that and trying to discern what was being said or make some sense out of it, I noticed that there seemed to be an accent coming through uh, that I didn't notice the first time I did it and it was a Northern Irish accent and a couple of the words and a couple of the way things were said definitely sounded Northern Irish in accent -y to me. And this kind of got me thinking that uh, where I live is kind of close to the, the border and if I went to the set of Ireland, my accent would be considered a kind of a northern accent. So it is kind of local to this area that people would have a kind of a northern accent. But this was a very more north than here, I suppose, accent. But still would be in, you know, in kind of fitting with the, the locale. And it's interesting to think that when, you know, when people go to around the world or different countries and stuff like that, that the EVP seems to be always in English or, you know, not with an accent and stuff like that. So I thought it was interesting and worth noting that 
there did seem to be an accent coming through on um, the spirit box because I assumed that the guy who put the spirit box together and made the sounds and all that wasn't using Northern Ireland, Northern Irish accents. So again, just thought something worth note. Bye again. This is the end of this segment proper. Hopefully this time, unless Tommy interrupts again, which uh, if he doesn't, then we're on to the next section. So I kind of um, did an oopsie, as PewDiePie would say. Um, and what I did was that I didn't read out an answer that I got for the last remote viewing game. And it was a very accurate one, and it's kind of my fault that it didn't get the accolades it deserved. And it's from Lisa Pouncer, and what she said was, um, I'm seeing a pillar or a tower, pale in colour, possibly religious or a memorial. And she was the only one who actually got that it was a memorial or, you know, that has that religious type thing. The rest of them, even the people who hit really well, it was um, more, you know, the kind of scenery and stuff like that. So that was really good. The reason why I missed it out is because it was on the YouTube page. And when I was putting together the kind of text document with all the answers, I just completely forgot to copy paste from the YouTube page. Sadly, uh, as it was a great hit and it was a really good response and should really have been in that segment. Anyway, my apologies to Lisa and good for you and well done for you. And I hope this slightly late amendment to the uh, RV game results uh, in some way makes up for the fact that I left you out of the main segment. Anyway, on with the show. So now on to the question and answer segment of the show where I asked patrons, CMG, the Four Servants Facebook group and anyone that would have me if they had any questions they wanted me to answer or any kind of themes or topic suggestions or any of that kind of thing. So here's what people come up with. Usual um, apology up front that I'm going to butcher your name. Um, that's just unavoidable at this point and we just have to go on with it. So Jean Oliviera Quivado. It's best. Uh, Decent attempt I can on your name. How to face objectives and subjective reality in magic. Why are why these are important or not? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, the first thing is that you have to decide on whether you believe there is an objective reality out there or whether it all is subjective. And if there is an objective reality out there, have we access to it? Like, is there in a sense, is there any point in worrying about the objective reality if it's something that we never really interact with because we're always one step behind it in that if, if we are a brain, say, um, we are seeing only what our eyes can see as the information is giving us what feel we have for, you know, from our sensations, um, our hearing, all of these things. And they're all kind of dodgy or inappropriate, not inappropriate, uh, incomplete kind of sensors. Um, like see, even looking at your uh, how the eye works in that it's your eye actually turns everything upside down it's the light reflecting off things and you see every other color than the actual color your brain thinks it is so if you see green your eyes are actually in every single color other than green and so it kind of you have to wonder then how important is kind of objective reality in many ways particularly from a magic uh, outlook if you can't interact with it and if you can't interact with it, and we can't really disprove solipsism, it is unfalsifiable also, um, then what do you do? Now, that also said, the opposite side of that would be that if you just totally go with subjective and your own kind of feel of things, then 
you know, there's there's dangers in that too as well. Like in that, well, it's you know, people go, it's just how I feel, and like you go, well, so what? Just how you feel, and um, doesn't make it right, you know. It just feels right to not use the safety latch on the ladder. <laughs> you know what I mean? That just feels right to me. That's the thing to do, but it's not the thing to do. So for me, I think it's always you know striving for that balance. Apart from on the days where I'm not sure if there is an objective reality or whether this is all Maya, all illusion, all that, which is the predominant of my days, I would say. Um, magic is very subjective. It really is, and it's something that. I think when you try to explain to other people, it kind of diminishes it. And in a sense, it's only for you. It's the, you know, the universe showing something just to you. And uh, it's, you know, you should probably, which is probably, I think, why that whole, you know, be silent thing came into it. Because as soon as you start talking about it, whatever, the magic goes away. And we've talked before about Anne LaVey saying that you should all acknowledge the magic or it'll be taken away. And there's this thing in that that says, well, I think about staying silent and not telling your stuff, particularly the people who don't believe it, or are skeptical that it can just diminish your magic. So subjectively, if it feels magic to you, then it is magic, and that's magic as far as I'm concerned. And then facing objectivity, uh, take good notes, I suppose. Like always, you know, don't trust your own mind so much, even though it's subjective. Like we, I have memories of things that never happened. I have, um, and it's, I don't, I don't subscribe to the whole Mandela effect for the most part. Every now and again, like a CP trio's silver leg is a very weird thing to me. Um, but uh, yeah, take good notes in your magic. Do all that. Make sure that you um, are as objective as you can be, knowing that. Ultimately, you're probably subjective anyway. It's that old Scooby-Doo meme of uh, where they have the mask, the objectivity, and they go, objectivity, let's see who you really are, and pull up the mask, and it's subjectivity. So that's what I would say. I don't think we got to the bottom of that there at all. Are astral travelings and astral operations just an enhanced use of imagination? This is from the same uh, question. I have my own answer to these, but uh, they are questions that haunted me for a long time they might be haunting some people right now and i'd appreciate your view on them my answer is yes it is absolutely but we have this kind of thing of so it's only the imagination and it's kind of as if uh, we use it dismissively whereas i use it the complete opposite i think it's you know it's it's imagination which uh, should be elevated more than uh, you know than a dismissive type thing so i do think astral travels and astral operations are indeed imaginal are part of the imagination but that's in no way diminishing it. I think we just don't have a correct view on what the imagination is. And likely that it's as real, whatever definition of real you have, um, as whatever this is, in my opinion. Terry Eldridge, any deities, entities, not your own, you have overwhelming success with or recommend most people to try working with. I seem to remember working with St. Expedite quite a bit when I first joined. Well, that's a mis-memory because I've never worked with St. Expedite in my life. Who I think you might be uh, confusing it is with St. Cyprian, um, who I did do an awful lot of work with and went on the pilgrimage to see his relics and all that kind of stuff. And then ultimately never really felt that I had any proper communication or that I got in any sort of relationship with him. I don't think I'm any closer to having any sort of working relationship with St. Cyprian than I had two years ago before I start. And I did a lot of work with him. So maybe it's just not for me. Um, or maybe I'm approaching it all wrong. Or maybe I was expecting too much. But as an archetypical uh, character, 
um, I think it's very interesting. It's very similar to the whole Gandalf kind of idea in a sense, or you know, any of these kind of wizardy type things, but he has the kind of Christian background, the Satanism in a sense, the black magic, all of that type of thing. So I definitely would have worked with him. Say, not really much success, although I don't know exactly what I was looking for. You know, there's that. Uh, I've never ever asked him for anything, although I did use him uh, as a sort of conduit for sigil stuff that um, kind of worked as well. So, any deities, entities you have overwhelming success with. The most success I have with any of them is Ganesha and uh, Ganesh, whatever we want to pronounce it. And I think everyone should try hanging out with Ganesh for a while. He loves magicians, and magicians love him. And he's a very friendly god. He's a very friendly um, entity and thing. There's no kind of bad to him, or there's no kind of backfiring to him. The only kind of thing is because he's the remover of obstacles. That's his, you know, that's his job or that's his function. But uh, the reason why he is so good at removing obstacles is that he is the guy who put them there in the first place. So there's that. So there's a bit of a trickster thing in, involved in it too. But he's so gentle mannered, so funny and so lighthearted and all that, that I would suggest you hang out with Ganesha for a while. Just do some mantras, you know, do uh, do some chanting, that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, good guy. Even Gordon White on his website on Maroon Soup talks about, even from a strictly chaos ma magic point of view, where they're all imaginal and they're all in our heads and all of those things, which he seems to have drifted away from recently. Um, he thinks even then that Ganesha seems to have some sort of sentience or some sort of outside human imagination properties. Here's her name now. Uh, S-E-O-U-V-N. Suvan. Suvan. Rodriguez. How can my husband manifest the promotion he's been awaiting? Currently he is number one on the promotion list. It's been close to three years since he was originally number 17 on the promotion list. Thank you. Well, my first thing would be say is to keep doing whatever he's doing. If he went from 17 to number one, then he's obviously doing it right. And it would just suggest that uh, you just need to wait a wee bit longer, but there's obviously good stuff you can do to improve your luck or to improve your chance to roll up. Well, the road opener is probably not good in this thing because that's more you're looking for new opportunities. The fortunate would be a great one to work uh, with. Um, or even uh, the guru for the practical type, type of things of how to get the final kind of, uh, you know, to, hooked into the, to, to the job or whatever. The witch, of course. The factotum. Um, she can do anything, so hang out with the witch as well. I see what they can do, but keep doing what you are doing. Like that, that, or tell him to keep doing what he's doing because it's working. Um, Keton Sinclair. Now, uh, Keton, I applaud you for um, telling me how to, how you pronounce your name, and uh, I think this should be you know taken up by other people, and it should also be every time someone uh, asks a question, this should also uh, include the phonetics of their name. What adjustments do you make to your daily occult practice when you're away from home or traveling? I, as seldom as possible, uh, go travel or go away from home, particularly these days. Um, I do I used to enjoy traveling. I find it immensely stressful now. Um, and there's a podcast where I talk about my last trip to London where I had a kind of a, a mini nervous breakdown in the airport just because of the stress of the whole thing. I know there was other factors and uh, things going on than just traveling at the time. Lots of stuff going on, but uh, it's just, it's, I don't really do anything different because there's not really, like, I don't really do a kind of a routine thing anymore the way I used to where I'd have, uh, 
you know, daily prayers or daily mantras or, you know, that whole thing. I used to have really long, extended kind of daily ritual thing that I did for months and then I kind of ended up writing that blog post, which is, are you getting a return on investment on your magic? Because I didn't feel it was going anywhere or doing anything. And I was just kind of doing it out of, in a sense of guilt, in kind of that uh, Protestant work ethic that's kind of promoted in magic circles an awful lot, where it's, you know, if you're not getting effects or the results you want, do more and more and more. So I was just doing this more and more. And it's, it's, but it's like a Catholic just saying more prayers every day or something. It's just, it's, if your prayers aren't working, I don't think doing more of them is necessarily going to, uh, you know, suddenly improve uh, your situation. That whole thing of, you know, the definition of madness is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Which works in most part, apart from, uh, you know, like uh, learning a musical instrument, which is, of course, you do the same thing over and over and you eventually do get a different result. So it's not a, it's not a perfect analogy or whatever. Um, so I kind of drop away from all that kind of daily routine type stuff and work on kind of long term magic or kind of uh, changes in my mind or whatever, my outlook. And I do an awful lot of modeling in, I suppose, uh, it would be in NLP, but evocation, invocation, excuse me where I take on God forms or idea forms um, or create particular auras or atmospheres around me to work towards doing stuff or uh, becoming the person I want to be and all of these type of things. So my big kind of metamorphosis or change is about becoming a better person on the way to that whole thing of becoming, you know, the master or the ascended master or for want of better words. Like that whole thing that's embodied by the master in the 47th, the perfected you. And I'm trying to perfect myself, not in an egotistical way, in a, in a kind of, you know, not in like I say, a bodybuilding way where you're trying to perfect your physique or whatever, which is fine. I'm not putting that down, it's just an example. But it's not that. It's trying to become whatever it is that I am to become uh, and trying to perfect that. Uh, Working on the assumption and the presupposition that there is something that you're meant to be working towards rather than just, you know, you're here for randomness or you're here for no reason or meaningless or whatever. So there is a, an inherent, as I say, presupposition that there is an end goal. And that's what I'm trying to work on. So I do that all the time. So when I leave or when I travel or when I do anything, there's nothing that changes because it's kind of a constant auric expression from me. And it's, an, it's like very much an energetic model type thing, which I would say I'm probably not as embedded in as I was, but it's, there is a kind of a, it, it can be described in an energetic model sense, but it's, it's, it can also be described in an NLP modeling sense or an invocation sense or whatever. So that's always ongoing. So most of my magic is ongoing rather than daily ritualistics. Like there's no daily banishing. There's no, at the minute I'm not even meditating because it's just, it's driving me insane. Uh, I'm going through a, a dark meditation period. If you followed the blog back in the day, I used to have a very up and down relationship with meditation. Going from very highs to very lows to uh, the depths of Zazen mentalness. Um, but yeah, so nothing really changes because of my approach to magic is probably mostly mental uh, or energetic or NLP invocation, that type of stuff. Um, so I hope that helps. Now, the next couple of questions, which are all quite similar, and I have answered this question on a previous question and answer, um, but I will answer it again, because if so many people are asking, then it's obviously something that people are interested in. So I'll run through the questions and then give my answer. Derek Cook, do you ever feel unmotivated to make art? And if you do, how do you deal with it? For me personally, I have a thousand ideas, but it's hard work these days to get pen to page. 
Adam Denman says, how do you deal with magical burnout and a general lack of motivation? Firemead, how do you get over a period of not feeling the magic? Do you do the offerings anyway and hope, uh, offerings anyway and hope? Or does that feel like going through the motions? Are there any surefire ways of getting your woo back uh, that work every time? Just say, say like walking in a forest or sitting around a fire. And Aiden Green, uh, no, I have this mixed up, so it's just those three. You got the Aiden's thing in. So it's just basically about burnout, um, whether that be magic or be that kind of art. And the thing to do, I think, is, well, you have two options. If it's your profession, if you're an artist and that's your job, you just have to bull through it and you just have to do it. And I have done that, where you just have to keep going until you get whatever it is done. And you could, I've had many days where I woke up not feeling it and had to do it because it's, the, the, you know, that's the job that's done. And it takes a while and you have to get in, you do get into it, you do get through it. Now, you're, are you ever doing your finest work? Possibly not, but I have done good work in that mood. And uh, some days I've woken up and I literally can't draw. Like my pain just won't do what it's meant to do. My hands won't do. Uh, it's it's tough. And the other option, if it's not your profession and you have the, the kind of uh, ability to do it, is to walk away and do something else. And uh, completely, like if you're burnt out in magic, stop doing magic. Stop reading magic books. Stop listening to magic podcasts. Stop doing all of it and go watch something completely different than Netflix, like some, you know, documentary about gardening or something, something that's completely averse to what you've been surrounded by because you're burnt out because you've saturated yourself in all these things or you can be burnt out because you're doing all these things and they're not working and you need to step away to come back, you know, to consolidate what you've learned and then kind of look at it again and see what, um, you know, what, what fresh approach you can take. Um, magic forcing it and that as I said before about that whole Protestant work ethic that's kind of prevalent in some magic circles that you know just keep doing more of what, more of it. it never worked for me um, so you know that it may work for you it works for some people um, art wise and stuff like that what you can do is go rather than trying to create go and learn stuff so if I get feeling in that kind of mode I'll go and start doing like more life drawing or learning new programs or learning to improve on the programs I have been doing to so do loads of tutorials and that can kind of get your vibe back into the whole thing as well um, upping your game so that by the next time when you get back into the mood you're in a much better position to create than you were the last time and so using that kind of downtime of not being able to do anything or you know not being in the right space to learn and to improve and to increase your technique and all that and I suppose you could approach magic to that in the same way and particularly in meditation, which I don't do, and I'm, I'm, you know, do as I say, not as I do, and to say that whole period that I'm going through now of hating meditation and feeling nothing from it and all that, you should just keep doing your meditation. Um, I didn't, so, but uh, that is the recommended advice to do in that case. So, uh, yeah, there's no surefire way out of any of it other than take a break if you can, bull through if you can't, and. Um, you know, up your game, to, you know, do switch gears into rather than trying to create, learn so that your technique improves, so that you're better. So if you're sculpting, rather than trying to create a new sculpture, go learn some fundamentals. If you're a drummer, rather than writing new songs, you know, go back to your paradiddles, if you're a guitar player, whatever, you know, go to your scales, piano, all those things, like learn the technique or maybe some theory behind it. Um, read something completely different, you know, t if you can take a break. If you're oversaturating yourself in magic or art or whatever it is, try and take a break. At least, 
you know, even if it's walk for like 20 minutes or something and go do something else. But uh, it goes away and it's part of it. There's no kind of time or there's no, you know, it's never not going to be there. At, at some point, we're all going to feel that no matter what. Even if it's watching like your favourite TV programme, there's sometimes you're just not into it. Or your favourite food. It's just, that's how it is, you know. So um, don't worry about it is my kind of advice. Uh, big time, it's going to happen, particularly if you're an artist, that you're just going to have days and uh, you'll get over it. And you'll be all better for it. So Aidan Green says, Creating your own pantheon, how do you go about it? Worrying about offending a god. For example, I substitute Apollo for Vulcan in my Roman pentagram. Pentagram, right. That's the my early attempt at creating a banishing ritual that was non-Christian in origin. Or Judeo-Christian. Do I need to be worried about Vulcan? I would say absolutely not. Um, for me, the gods are ideas. They are not actual beings who are angry at you in the way that we've been told in Christianity that Jehovah or Yahweh is an angry, jealous God who is coming for you if you don't, you know, tell him how awesome he is constantly. Um, do what you want, with the caveat of it does it work. If it works, do more of it. If it doesn't augment it, change it or do something else. So. Can you substitute Apollo for Vulcan in your room? Yes, if it works for you. If it doesn't, then no, you can't. And it's not if it works in general for people, if it works for you, if that's getting you the result you want. Is it banishing in the way you want it to banish? Is Apollo more powerful? It's that thing like, some people find Apollo powerful, some people prefer Superman, some people prefer the sun itself, some people prefer Jesus. And that's it, that's what it should be. And um, I remember there was a time when I would even come back to talking about Ganesha where I wouldn't put him on an altar with, say, you know, like Baphomet or um, even St. Cyprian or whatever because it felt like kind of insulting to them whatever and there's this kind of a feeling. So I do understand the feeling or whatever, but that's all in my head, I think. I mean, if they're gods, I don't find that they're actual gods. It's just are they really going to be annoyed because you have them on the same altar as something else? Maybe, maybe I'm totally wrong that maybe they're massively offended by the whole thing. I know you shouldn't put like uh, ancestral photos if you have an ancestral altar beside like uh, Baphomet if they were serious Christians or whatever, that's kind of the advice. But again, try all these things. Don't just take any of this on anyone's world. You know, put your photo of your grandmother who was a serious Christian beside Lucifer. And see what happens, see if it changes. And it's like the Alan Moore thing of because I'm going to worship a fake god, a made up god, a snake god, and see if it changes anything. See if it messes anything, if it makes it worse, makes it better. And he says it makes it better. And he knows it's fake. So try these things out. I'm sorry, my nose is a bit itchy though. Um, try these things all out for yourself and see what happens. And do more of the things that work and less of the things that don't work. But don't discard the things that don't work. It'll change them. Have a look at them. See why did it didn't work. Check out your feelings around them and what, um, what you could be bringing to the table. If you think, and I would suggest, um, that you're worried about offending a god, I guarantee you that you're going to come up against the feeling of offending and you're going to manifest that and you're going to um, prove that to be true. In the same way that if you feel the need for a banishing ritual or to protect yourself in some way, you're coming from the point of feeling weak. And so you do need protection, in that sense. Only because you think you do. So, um, I'm not worried about offending gods. Because I feel gods are me, 
So, it's hard to defend yourself. Jacqueline Bradley. Do you work with demons or very ancient deities, I prefer to call them? I don't, but not out of any kind of feeling that you shouldn't or any kind of tutting or looking down or feeling scared or any of those things. I'll tell you exactly my whole kind of deal with all of these things and working with drinks. When I was a musician, I was always interested in writing my own songs and doing my own, you know, being in my own band or my, doing my own albums and all that, rather than doing cover versions of songs and being in a cover band. That was always my approach. I was much more interested in creating than reproducing. And to me, gods and spirits and all of these things is how I approach them now, subject to change, and I reserve the right to change my mind at any time in the future. But right now, I see them as aspects of mind, of consciousness, not just my mind, like a greater conscious, like a field of consciousness, and they're all in there. Now, you can have all them, and they're, as far as I'm concerned, are like the cover bands or the other people's ideas. I prefer my own ideas because they're more um, personal to me, the more reflect who I am, the more malleable to my will, the more kind of I can make them and shape them to do what I want. I am under no obligation to them. I'm under, uh, I can't offend them. I can't do any of the things. They're my ideas, they're my songs. So, do I work with demons? No, because that's an equivalent in magic to me of being in a cover band or doing a cover song. It's rather than creating your own album, which say the 40 Servants, you are doing the wedding band, which is the Goetia. That's my kind of feel on it, that I can, it's much more effective for me to have my own ideas, use my own ideas, make my own magic than to use, uh, so it's like bespoke magic rather than um, off the shelf magic that someone else has all their rules, all their uh, stuff in. So 40 Servants, that's my album, Goetia, that's, you know, that's the cover band. And that's kind of the, the best kind of way I can describe it. And uh, so yeah, not opposed to it at all. It's not just not what I do. In the same way that when I was doing comics, I never wanted to draw someone else's stories because it was all about getting my stuff out, whatever, like my, me being the channel, me being the conduit, see what I, I can do out of me, what, what can come out of me, rather than going to another kind of source and read. Like, didn't, rather than, I never wanted to draw Batman. I never wanted to do that because I want to see what I can do, what I can come out of, what comes out of my, this thing, rather than taking someone else's idea and working with it. And loads of people take Batman and write brilliant stuff with it and change the world and all that kind of stuff, and that's brilliant. But it's not what I, I'm interested in, and that's not what I want to do. There's something else I want to say around that, but I can't remember. I'll come back to it if I do remember. Uh, so this is an anonymous question. Hi, can I ask an anonymous question? <laughs> And it is the Necronomicon magic considered to be is the Necronomicon magic considered to be safe and effective compared to demonic magic, or less so? I was wondering since it's been discussed, we were discussing maybe doing it as the next part of the study group. The Necronomicon is considered, depending on who you talk to, to be useless magic. It's considered to be totally made up. It's considered to be not anywhere uh, as successful or good as the established demonic magic that we've had forever. 
other people um, think all that's hogwash and find that the Necronomicon is as powerful as any of them. And at some stage, the demons were made up, whether that be by human, by God, by someone, but it's all made up at some point. And this, certainly the Grimoires are made up. Someone came up with them, even if it was just putting together other ideas. So for me, Necronomicon is as uh, useful as any of them. Again, with that caveat of um, I prefer my own ideas. And the thing I wanted to say about um, Jacqueline's Bradley's thing about the thing, I have used other people's ideas in the thing of, say, Ganesha, Baphomet, and then going back to the St. Cyprian of thing, like the St. Cyprian thing where I was saying that I tried for ages to in some way you know, have this communication or, or this relationship or whatever. And possibly the thing that stopped me is that he's someone else's song. And uh, I have to find my own song in relation or my own way of looking at it. And the saying from the 47th probably is my own song of it. It's kind of my riff on that idea. The Necronomicon, um, is it safe? No magic is safe. That's it. So is it, it's, it's possibly, it's probably safer than working with demons and that kind of thing because of the headspace you can get into working with demons. Hang out with Lucifer or hang out with uh, Marduk. They're both very powerful kind of ideas, but which feels safer to you? And then, you know, safe's not always good though either, you know. Fancy furry, <laughs> fancy furry fuzzy pants. Uh, <laughs> I like the name. I like how you keep changing your name as well to, to see uh, which one I will read out. I sometimes wonder how much pareidolia is per beneficial and possibly a required part for, of occults. For instance, with certain divination tools like tea leaves, it seems like it's beneficial and more a matter of keeping a rein on it in order to find a balance that works. What are your thoughts on this? Totally agree. I am pro all of these things. I think rather than um, you know, kind of shunning these things we are putting them away, it's used them to our advantage. If, if we are beings that sees patterns and things, that's obviously what we want to do. And that's how we work and that's uh, how we function. And rather than trying to get away from that, let's, you know, engage with that and see, see what happens, you know, like where it can bring us. Like I say that thing about tea leaves and all that, I, I think so, like that we're pattern making machines. Now, you can go too far and I say we need a balance and all those things, but I definitely think that you shouldn't dismiss things just because you now have a name for it or you know what it is. Like now, oh, because we know that we have a name called pareidolia, which means that we tend to see patterns in abstract shapes. Throw that away, we've that solved, that's it done, put that away. No, rather than go, oh, that's cool. No, it's not less magical because we know it. It's like that R.C. Clarke thing of any futuristic or advanced technology appeared magical to people until they know what it is. Um, until it's given a name and then it's kind of, you know, harnessed and pigeonholed and the power is taken away from it or the magic is taken away from it. So yeah, I would say definitely engage with these type of things. I think all the divination and the tea leaves and the pareidolia and all that, and particularly what, say, the spirit box stuff I was doing, is that it is a reflection of you and you will hear things in it that, you know, maybe other people won't hear. But they're all like a starting point. Like when if I'm doing a reading for someone and a card comes up, it's to trigger something. It's to start my kind of mind going or my uh, intuition going or whatever, seeing things from a different angle than I normally wouldn't or approaching a question from a completely different point of view than I would have had I not, if the father card hadn't come up, go, oh, I never thought of coming at it from that way. And it's kind of the initial kind of trigger for you then to, or for my brain to oh, go into the thing. So it's kind of that. So you can have, you know, uh, 
that with paradox. Like, look at clouds and see the shapes. You go, oh, there's a finger of God pointing him. You know, and it's, it could be magical for you. And we go, oh, well, it's not really the finger of God. But none of this might be real either. So I completely agree with you. The, um, I think it is beneficial. Once you know what it is, and once you're, you're aware of these things, it's like knowing the rules so you can break them. And uh, yeah, one last question, and then that's us, and it's Louisa. Do you use astrology in your magic? I do not. Um, again, it works for some people, uh, it works amazing for some people, and some people are really good at it. Um, I, uh, I'm not into it, I just don't, I find it, there's power to me that finds it's ludicrous. And I know that's kind of not fair, and I know that's probably not right. And but that Mercury retrograde stuff is something that I wouldn't believe in, even if it was absolutely 100% true. <laughs> I just choose not to believe it because um, it's just all too easy to fall prey to causing that stuff. You know, it's oh, Mercury retrograde today at two o'clock, everything's going to go wrong, and then everything will go wrong. And I find all that kind of predictive stuff is really bad for me because I take it too seriously. So, one point I do think it's ludicrous, mother point I take it really far too seriously in that it can ruin my life that if I was doing a project and I got an astrology reading or a tarot reading not necessarily tarot reading but if I got say uh, something and I said oh that's not going to happen then that devastate me and I'd probably stop working on it and I would take it all too seriously and uh, at least with tarot readings or the forward servants readings it's a, a point in time that can be changed um, get, well, will immediately be changed because you have the knowledge now of what you have of the of the reading so it's obviously going to change your outlook and your actions and stuff like that but with astrology it seems a wee bit more fixed and that you know it's predestined and all that so i don't know i find it ludicrous i don't like the idea of predestiny i do like the idea of predestiny in other ways um like fate and that kind of things um i don't really find it useful i find it too limiting in that like um when you have to do everything by the exact astro uh, you know astrological hour and day and you don't you know don't do stuff on a saturday because that's saturn or do stuff on a thursday if you have to do it money because that's jupiter or communication on wednesday and i can go but yeah but it's monday and i need to do this so what can i not and go oh well you can use the hour yeah but it's monday now two o'clock the right hour is until four o'clock on a wednesday and i just i find it too limiting and too thing and when i have done it and i did an awful lot of the daily prayers you know the astrological prayers and i tried to engage with the whole astrology thing i did the benabel course in astrology uh, and all that, and it added nothing to my magic it didn't make it any more effective it made it more hassle it made it more take longer to do more preparation all that for exactly the same outcome so it may be something down the line i'll look more into or maybe i just haven't come across it in the correct kind of form or aesthetics that i enjoy or whatever Maybe I just haven't got past the whole kind of sun sign astrology stuff that, you know, everyone laughs at and stuff. That whole thing, though, is that um, millionaires don't believe in astrology, but billionaires do. There's probably a lot to that, you know, and there's probably something to it. And definitely, if you think there is something to it, then there is something to it and you should engage with it. So that's all the questions for this month. I hope some of them were, uh, some of those answers were what you wanted or it shed some light. If nothing more, it just lets you know what I think about all these things. But as always, other opinions are available and go with your own kind of feelings on these things and don't take anyone's word for anything. Test them, see what works, see what doesn't. The more of the things that work and less of the things that don't. Don't throw the things away. Just augment them until you find, you know, the parts that do work. So, yeah.
there we go. That's another episode of Adventures in Woo Woo, and I hope you enjoyed it. And thank you for sticking around if you got here to the end. Um, most people probably don't. They probably just skip through the different relevant subjects or segments to them. Um, so, good for you, and thank you very much. I appreciate it. If you want to know more about Adventures in Woo you can simply go to adventuresinwoo.com, which will bring you to the website that so used to be the blog, but it's now kind of just a place where I put stuff. So, it needs a bit of love and attention and a bit of care. And, and I will get around to it at some point, just it's slightly down on my to-do list and I've other more pressing matters, but I will get there. And I have stuff going on in the background that just needs to be switched on and blah, blah, blah. You don't care about all that stuff. If you go there, you will find all the links to all the social media, to the YouTube, to the old podcasts, to all the blogs, to all the blogs that were written by other people. Some really great stuff over there. Um, to Magic Primer, if you're new to Magic, there's a whole section on how to get into it and we get full of links and videos and all the things you could possibly want. Um, there's also uh, a page where you can help me out, and it's a support page. Uh, you can find my Amazon wishlist there, you can find my PayPal address if you just want to send me money, or you can sign up to Patreon and help me out that way. All of those things and all that information is over at adventuresandwebby.com. So, good people of the internet, may you have a wonderful week, and I really mean that. Um, I've had a kind of a tough week. Well, I've had a kind of weird week where I have some really, really, really class highs and some immediate kind of... <laughs> desperate lows but uh, I hope your week is more balanced or closer to the highs than the lows so have a great week and I'll talk to you all next week